my favorite line in uh, Ace Attorney Investigations is when you're in the airplane and uh, you examine the flight attendant's change room. Miles Edgeworth has a line of dialogue where he goes, I have absolutely no interest in what goes on in there. I remember this, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, it's confirmed. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Rhythm Encounter, RPG Fans Music Podcast. I am Jonathan Logan, and you might know me as one of the hosts of Random Encounter, but today I'm going to be branching out a little bit. Uh, I'm going to be diving into the music of one of my all-time favorite game series, Ace Attorney. Uh, you may have heard that recently a brand new installment of the Ace Attorney series, The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, came out, and it's a compilation of two games, The Great Ace Attorney and The Great Ace Attorney 2, and they are both prequels that take place in the 19th century and star Phoenix Wright's ancestors. So I, I wrote a review for them. They are absolutely wonderful games. I highly recommend them, especially if you like Ace Attorney. They're a great jumping on point. Uh, if you have anyone in your life that you've been bugging about playing Ace Attorney, but they're like, oh, it's six games. You can be like, no, it's just this one. And don't tell them it's two. Just tell them it's one. And then the first one will suck them in and they'll have to play the second one to get all the answers they need. Anyway, known as Gaktun Saiban in Japan, this is a long-running adventure game series that features over-the-top court battles. It features investigations, a ton of uh, colorful defendants, witnesses, and prosecutors. And frankly, it has some absolutely remarkable music. Uh, that elevates the entire experience. Otherwise, it would be a it, it's a it would be a pretty engaging story. But with the music, it really elevates it to something truly epic and occasionally heartbreaking. But uh, before we get into the music of Ace Attorney, I just want to introduce my uh, my co counsels today. Uh, making a return appearance on Rhythm is RPG Fans Music Editor Patrick N. Hey everybody! And uh, making her very first appearance on Rhythm Encounter, one of my ridiculously talented review editors, Nikki Fakori. Hello. Yes. So uh, we're here to speak about the Ace Attorney series. I am extremely disturbed to say that it is 20 years old, having first come out on the Game Boy Advance in Japan in October of 2001. Now, we didn't get it until a few years later in a series of, I guess, remake remasters. Uh, but since then, we've had five more titles in the mainline series. We've had two spin-off titles uh, starring series favorite Miles Edgeworth, only one of which is available in the West, officially. We've had a crossover game with Phoenix Wright and Professor Layton. We've had a very underrated movie which is it's a it's a spectacular adaptation of ace attorney and we have had an anime that's lasted three seasons which has some mixed reviews but if you don't want to play the game but you still want to get some of that ace attorney flavor really really good news just watch it and of course then we have the great ace attorney chronicles which came out on july 27th 2021 now, uh, before we get started with uh, really listening to the songs, I really wanted to ask you a little bit about your experiences with the games, where you're coming from, why you uh, love them, why you love the music. So, uh, Patrick, would you like to uh, tell us what you think? I remember, um, this is my first memory of the Gyakuten Saiban series, and... Thank you for that, I appreciate it. You just made my pronunciation look terrible. <laughs> it's alright, I only, I only say it because um, the first game to come to America was the DS version of the first game, which was just the original game, plus they added a bonus case, and that bonus case was Yomi Gaero Gyakuten, or like... Rise from the Ashes. Yes, yeah, the rebirth scenario. And I remember I bought the 
Gyakuten Saiban Yomi Gairo Gyakuten soundtrack, um, which came with the best bonus I've ever gotten with the soundtrack. It was, it was a towel. It was a towel with the Gyakuten Saiban logo in it, and on and on the other side, you know, uh, the outline of Phoenix Wright pointing in, in the Japanese, the big, like, bubbly Japanese text that says objection essentially and um it was like a towel that you could use to wipe sweat off if you were sweating profusely as if you were on the stand yes yeah it's it was the funniest thing in the world i lost my mind i had no idea it was coming as a bonus this would have been like 2005 or 2006 and um that was my initial exposure to the whole franchise was buying that soundtrack afterwards i went on and collected most of the osts and I've played, I think, the first five main games, and um, as well as the the Miles Edgeworth game, the one that made it officially to America. So I'm also a huge fan of Noriyuki Iwadare, um, whom I'm sure we'll be discussing more about in detail. Um, he did not start with the series, but um, he came on for the third game and then has been sort of on and off as one of the main composers for the series and also does most of the arrangements for the really good Arrange albums. Of which there are many. Like, so many I can't keep up. And I'm I'm proud and a little bit uh, boastful about the fact that I had opportunity to meet Iwadare-san back in 2012, I think, um, when a whole bunch of Japanese composers came out for a, a video game orchestra performance in Boston. And among the games that we had conversation with Iodari about, and I think this interview is on RPG Fan. We talked a lot about Lunar and Grandia um, for many reasons, but um, we also, among other things, talked about the Ace Attorney series. And, you know, a, the big piece was transitioning from one and two to three, and him sort of both reestablishing some of the important main themes and then putting his own spin on things because he sort of did take a central role from the third game onward. Nikki, uh, why don't you tell uh, us your experience with Ace Attorney and the music? Um, well, my first um, experience was actually um, more about the art. I was a tiny little obnoxious kid who thought, hey, I'm, I can do things and that includes teach myself Japanese and this is a cool looking game with some uh, dashing fellows at and look, it's in Japanese. So I played the first case of the first Gyakuten Saiban game, uh, all in Japanese, all by myself. And I said, wow, I'm cool. But it was a lot of reading, so it gave me a headache. So I didn't get to appreciate the music as much because I was um, looking through a lot of kanji dictionaries. I don't blame you. <laughs> but um, then, you know, yeah, it came out on the DS, like we said. And I was like, hmm. I remember this. This time, I might not get a headache. Let's get it. And um, yeah, I've loved it ever since. The characters are great. The music is always great, just like the characters. The the visuals are great. Everything's great. And it's very great. I 100% agree with you. Uh, my first experience on it was like you and uh, was well, not like you, actually. I did not play did not play the original game in Japanese. Um, I played it on my DS uh, and uh, I, I've been a huge adventure game fan my entire life and I just kind of wanted to play an adventure game. So I was doing a little research. I found this. Oh, this sounds like an interesting title and uh, got it, put it into my DS. And I think I played 
all of it in like a day or maybe two days. It was the weekend. Like I just absorbed it. I loved it so much. It was such a wonderful mix of absurdity and heartbreak and tragedy and some amazing music and just really, really memorable characters. It's funny. I mean, it's a little it's a little surprise that uh, I'm such a huge Yakuza fan because I feel like not just because they're Japanese, but it shares a lot of the same DNA of uh, mixing together the absurd and the tragic and melodrama, just switching between them on the fly effortlessly. And of course, over the top characters and ridiculous costumes and all that as well. And some amazing music. So yeah, I've been playing it. I've been playing it since uh, two years ago. I imported a copy of The Great Ace Attorney from Japan, and there was a translation patch that a uh, fan translation group released, and I played the game, and I reviewed it for the site, actually. Uh, we didn't we didn't mark the story, because we didn't feel that it was fair to Capcom to grade them on the story, since it was not them that handled the translation. But, you know, my, my impression was very favorable. I really, really enjoyed the game. Um, that's my experience with the game. So, why don't we take a dive into some of the music right off the bat? So I've uh, I've taken our, our our picks and I've divided them into three different sections, and we're gonna we're gonna give them a listen, and we're going to give you our thoughts on uh, the songs and what we think they do in the game and why they're great. So our first song to take a look at is going to be it's going to be in a block entitled "Detective of Different Decades" because I like the alliteration. So the first one is Dick Gumshoe, that's Detective Gumshoe Pal, composed by Masakazu Sugimori. It's from the uh, Gakuten Saiban 1 Plus 2 OST. And uh, this is the one you have, you said? No, I have it now. I bought it from you. <laughs> uh, you bought this, you bought the whole trilogy box from me, which was, it. it's the original, I think the trilogy box is like the DS upgrade music. One and two would have been Game Boy Advance source audio. Okay. So this is the original original audio source what we're going to hear and i'm glad that we have that because it's always nice to have a little bit of uh boops and beeps yep and uh, the other song we're going to be listening to is a little bit newer it's my choice and it's going to be herlock schloms the great detective of foggy town and that's going to be composed by yasamaza karagawa uh, and it's from the great ace attorney soundtrack so we're going to give a listen to these two uh detective tracks and then we'll be back and uh tell you what we think
Oh man, so those are two fantastic songs that we just heard. I'm going to start with my pick. Please. Y'all heard uh, my boy Dick Gumshoe, an interesting support character that sort of lasts throughout like the timeline of like the Phoenix Wright era. Um, I think he exists as um, a detective or somewhere in law enforcement throughout games four, five, and six as well. We never see him though. He's only in... He's in 1, 2, and 3, and he makes a cameo appearance in the flashback case of uh, Apollo Justice. That's right. For me, what's interesting about his theme song, and I think I had said this to you guys outside of the podcast prior, I don't know what it is, but this song, to me, captures so much of what's like good and catchy about like the courtroom drama tracks, but it's uplifting and upbeat. When I had heard this song playing through the first game, I had mistakenly thought it was either the theme song for the game or the theme song for Phoenix Wright himself. Oh. And only like after like finding a trackless translation of the soundtrack did I realize, oh, this is Gumshoe's theme, not uh, Phoenix Wright's theme. It's so ubiquitous. You get to hear it sort of prominently at the beginning and end of each case because you end up interfacing with Gumshoe and then... Um, you know, you probably run into him at least once during the uh, uh, investigation periods as well. So, you know, it's an incredibly catchy little melody. It sounds so good. Like that B part where it's like, dun, 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 <laughs> like, it, come on. Like, to me, as far as the original trilogy goes, and especially the first game, like, that is easily my favorite piece of music it even beats like all of the courtroom themes like allegro and um you know the objection music like it, all of the courtroom stuff is great but like to me i i don't i will say this as a character i don't think gumshoe deserves such a darn good track <laughs> gumshoe deserves the world how could you oh. say this <gasps> he at least deserves a higher salary that's probably true this is the salary cut theme yeah this is the salary cut theme. yeah there's some sort of deeper meaning behind why gumshoe gets such a good piece of music they feel bad because he can't even afford noodles but they give him a great b section in the song yeah he can't afford. um and then you know compare and contrast that with um john you were the one who picked uh this track from great ace attorney right yeah i was i mean they're two very different detectives yeah and what's really interesting i think about i think about that a lot is not only are they different in terms of you know character traits and competency arguably but of course you got to think about what were the tools of the trade available in the 19th century versus the early 20th 21st century yeah sherlock holmes had his uh, magnifying glass and he had all of his science and technology and everything and dick gumshoe had missile <laughs> yay that's right so yeah it's it's appropriately different and what i think what i like about it is the one thing that you could say in terms of similarity is that they're both heavily melodically driven, which I think is probably true of most of the character themes in this series, which mm. uh, isn't true of all character themes across all video games. Sometimes character themes turn out into be melodically weak little drone fests. Occasionally. Yeah, which occasionally is also the right thing to do depending on the nature of the game. But I think this, I think among the character themes in Great Ace Attorney, at least the f first soundtrack, because I think the second game had a separate soundtrack. It did, but most of, uh, there's a lot of the music is the same. Yeah, a lot of repeat. Yeah, I think um, as far as as far as the character themes go, um, I, I I almost want to say, 
and I haven't listened to the whole OST with a good focus, but among the greatest attorney tracks, this detective theme is fairly strong among the characters of that generation, which also fits with, you know, the original Phoenix Wright trilogy's character themes, because, yeah, the Fae sisters have, have good music, and, you know, Edgeworth has a good theme and all that. Mm-hmm. But for me, Gumshoe's theme was it, and I really, really dig this new, but also older <laughs> great ace attorney's detective theme yeah nikki what do you think about i mean i know you're a fan of dick gumshoe seeing as you want him to have all of the all of the salary and all of the noodles oh my goodness so i, I guess in some in some interesting ways i kind of feel the opposite where um i mean i do love gumshoe's music theme and i love him but his music always sounded so sad to me like every time i listen to it i feel like he's just gonna be like surprised someone else died like in the case that's completely unrelated to this i wouldn't even be surprised it just sounds so sad to me there's just something about the the like it's catchy it has that kind of like catchiness to it that fits his own like jovial personality but the the music itself just sounds so sad to me is it because of the salary cuts is it because they're murder cases could be both who knows i've always just you know i hear it and i'm like ah it's sad time yay that's kind of just how i've always felt with his. Nikki, is it alright if I just jump in real quick? Yeah, of course. It's just a music theory piece. You know, I had I had focused really a lot on the B side of I focused on the B side of Gumshoe's theme. Um, the second part with the upbeat sort of do 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 do. But you know, the main the sort of A part of the song is all in a minor key. Mm-hmm. Like the whole chord progression and that bass line doom doom like that whole section is fairly sort of dark and rough and i kind of want to say it's got that like five o'clock shadow in musical form which is like gumshoe's face always yeah yeah absolutely Mm. so i feel like yeah i have a very upbeat take on it but maybe it's just because i tend to focus on the second part of the song and you know, when the song always starts playing in the game, what do you hear first? Well, the the first part. And I, I feel like your perspective there is really valuable. But I think it's really cool, too, because that kind of encompasses how Ace Attorney is as a whole, though, in which I think it's probably the most effective game I've ever played, the most effective series I've ever played that is able to make the stakes feel legitimate, make you feel legitimate pain, and sorrow when things happen to these characters but you know it is effective when they try to do comedy too it's it's a great you know experience with all sorts of emotions and that's kind of how this is right i mean dick gumshoe as a character is the human equivalent of a a big dumb lovable saint bernard dog who (laughs) who will growl at anyone who comes near him that doesn't know him but he'll like just be a complete nutter like well i don't want to say slobbering because that would be slobbering all over edgeworth <laughs> which technically yes um see i i'm actually coming at it uh kind of midway between the two of you because i feel like well first off the the beginning of the song it's very uh police it's very one two three four one two three four it's very uh divided and it's very dark and almost unfriendly which is very much like what happens when you approach gumshoe at a crime scene as phoenix it's it's a hey pal get away from there we don't want you here we're the police 
And then uh, as the song continues, it starts to get a little bit more upbeat and fun and friendly, which is kind of like Phoenix's relationship with Gumshoe as it evolves throughout the game. It started out vaguely antagonistic, and then it became more a, a, a competitive, friendly, a friendly kind of thing between the two of them when they're on the crime scene. I think that says a lot about the character and the progression the character goes through in the first game and obviously through the rest of them as well. It's even indicative of how he is with Edgeworth because at first you think, oh, it's just, you know, business for him. But then at the at the fourth case, um, the original final case before the remakes, it's like, hey, pal, you know, Edgeworth's a great guy yep. and he's really good to me even though he's always cutting my salary. You know, you got to help him. Mm -hmm. Like... You're the only one who can, and he deserves that help because he's a good guy. Yeah, I mean the that relationship is even more developed in the uh, in the Ace Attorney Investigation series, which I am a really big fan of. Uh, the way I've always looked at it is that Detective Gumshoe not only sees Edgeworth as his superior. I think he sees Edgeworth as his best friend. Mm -hmm. Now, clearly, Edgeworth does not feel this way, but. I, I, I like that interpretation that he's he, he thinks that Edgeworth is his best friend and he would do anything for him. Absolutely. Including lending missile to a uh, to a hapless defense attorney. True. <laughs> yeah, and I've always found it interesting that when I have heard orchestral arrangements of this, there's usually a lot of it's it's on horn a lot of the time and it's very it, I, I don't know, I just feel like that creates a completely different feel to the song. Uh, that isn't in this version of it. True, yeah. And on the other hand, we have Herlock Sholmes, the great detective of Foggy Town, which would be London. Oh, yeah. Um, and this is obviously a very, very different detective than Detective Gumshoe. A very different relationship. I know you haven't played the game yet, but uh, Sholmes isn't a detective in the same style of Dick Gumshoe or uh, Emma Skye. He's not a. He's not. A, he's not with the police at all. That role is filled by different characters in the Great Ace Attorney, uh, Tobias Gregson, um, which is a great character and is is probably my the subject of my new favorite gift, <laughs> which I will send to you, Nikki, because I have a feeling you'll like it. But this is the relationship is very. He's a main character in the story, and you become very close to him. And unlike Sherlock Holmes, Herlock Sholmes is uh, occasionally a bit of a buffoon. Uh, his deductions are almost always very close but not quite on the mark the way they develop this character in the games is very very interesting because they're trying to keep a they really walk the balance between him being a complete and utter idiot and being a complete and utter genius and i feel like he's unlike the sherlock holmes the dower uh you know the, that kind of character this one is exuberant he is laughing constantly at himself at everything around him and it's a very, he's a very adventurous, unrestrained character. And I feel that this song perfectly encapsulates that uh, unrestrained nature in the tango. I mean, there's a lot of, there's obviously the violin uh, is a reference to Sherlock Holmes himself. And the violin is in the game as well. It plays a, a peripheral role in one of the cases. But yeah, it has, let's see here. There's a castanets in it. You can hear castanets. Mm -hmm. There's a harpsichord uh, in the it's it's a, the instrumentation of the piece is very much of its time which is something i think that they did with the game in general where everything every theme in the game sounds very period appropriate uh in terms of the instrumentation if not necessarily in the style of the music and uh i love the my i think my, i mean i just really really love this track it was my i i mentioned it specifically when i reviewed the translation of the first game i just love the call and response nature of the early part of the song and I feel like that's a reference to uh, there's a gameplay mechanic in this where where Herlock 
will make deductions on a crime scene and and he'll try to figure out exactly what happened and he is very close to the mark but not quite there so you have to step in and like correct his uh correct his deductions and it's going very back and forth like call and response which i feel is kind of what happens with the violin and then the response with the accordion yeah i think yeah you've put together a really good assessment of what is happening musically and probably intentionally by the composer between what happens musically for this character and then when you play the game and interact with this character what are those interactions looking like yeah and i think that's a key part of most um, most great ace attorney themes not great ace attorney most fantastic ace attorney character themes is that even if you have only a periphery knowledge of the characters if you hear a theme it should instantly make you think oh there's that character yes and i feel like this clearly i don't think that any other character in this game deserves a song like this like this is very clearly herlock sholmes i know that neither of you have played it but what do you think of the song the notes i put down involve how there's that grandiose feel but the whimsy in there basically clues you in that he's like the great detective. Haha, <laughs> clues you in. Ah, uh, you get it? But yes. just like Gumshoe, his head is empty. Single brain cell. And we are here to stand. We respect it. We respect the hustle. We stand those head empty lads. I'm here for it. Let's go. Uh, those are better words than I can give to it. But I think, again, as far as character themes go, um, I generally respect the strength of the musical theme itself um and having heard your explanation uh jonathan i think you're probably pretty well onto what the composer was going for and i think it's it's a song that's worthy of a good character a recurring support character that has this sort of i can't quite put my finger on it kind of vibe like he's almost there or maybe he thinks he's there but he's always like two steps off yeah the music gives that as well because yeah it's grandiose but it's also a little zany at points Mm -hmm. and lighthearted. and yeah the music's tipping you off to the fact that like all right there's a lot of like presumptuousness and maybe there is a lot of greatness behind this man but he's you know you know he's got a few loose screws so to speak he doesn't finish the objection theme either cuz he has the bump 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 but it doesn't finish oh yeah that's true it doesn't ever go anywhere doesn't have bump 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 at the end like like the objection theme should right i'm very impressed with how they wrote sherlock holmes it's sherlock holmes it's supposed to be sherlock holmes I'm very impressed with the way they handle the character in this game because there are many, many interpretations of Sherlock Holmes, and I think they have really come up with a unique one here, and it, part of that's the music. And I mean, the, the music in the whole game is, we'll, we'll be listening to a little bit more music in the game a little later, but I will say to music fan, fans out there, and Patrick, specifically to you, I feel, would very much uh, enjoy this. One of the extras in this Uh, in the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles is there's a music player, which is fine. Lots of games have a music player. But this one includes unreleased and alternative themes and songs of the characters, like completely different versions that were never used in the game. And it actually gives like liner notes about why this didn't work or why this one works better. I think that sounds like something you'd like. Uh, yeah. It is something I would like. Thank you for letting me know. Yeah. So first thing you're going to do is dive into the extras. 
Um, so yeah, does anyone else have any more thoughts about these two songs, or should we move on to the next block? I'm excited for the next block. Woohoo! Yeah, I'm excited for the next block too. I will say that in nowhere in this until maybe the end um, will you hear any of the uh, the big well pursuit for one thing, which is a recurring theme in all of the Ace Attorney games, uh, possibly because I stole them all and and did like a, I, I did a Ace Attorney trilogy suite in the adventure game episode so we're not allowed to pick any of those for this one and i apologize to both of you for that when i picked that song i was not aware that we were going to be doing this episode so unfortunately those songs are not going to be heard but if you do want to listen to them just listen to the adventure game episode and you will enjoy a wonderful uh interpretation of the courtroom scenes so let's move on to the next block which i am calling the ds era so both of these games come from Ace Attorney DS games, not remakes. These ones were specifically made for the DS. So the first one we're going to be listening to is uh, Nikki's pick. Uh, we're going to be listening to Questioning Allegro 2007, composed by Toshihiko Horiyama. And it's going to be from the Apollo Justice Ace Attorney soundtrack. And uh, the second song in this is, again, mine. My pick is A Defense Attorney's Knowledge. It's composed by Noriyuki Iwadare, and it's arranged by Iwadare and Natsumi Kamioka. And it's from Ace Attorney Investigations 2 Orchestral Arrangement Collection. So we're going to give a listen to these two songs, and we are going to come back and give you our thoughts on them.
Amazing. Wow, time to cry. Here come all the emotions. Yeah, that's Ace Attorney. So um, I picked questioning Allegro 2007 to basically cheat the system because I wanted to pick um, Perceived Surging Eyes, which is the theme that plays when Apollo uh, has a look like with the with the eye emojis and he looks at people and is like oh i see you also have a skull on your hand interesting um and what i found so interesting about that was that it is um a slowed down version of the questioning theme from the apollo justice game on the nintendo ds but when he reappears in the uh subsequent games on the 3ds they just keep that song um without changing it like it's just exactly the same it's not rearranged or anything so that kind of like um the cross-examination questioning theme is kind of like just inherently associated with apollo and apollo is my son and i love him and uh he deserves the world just like gumshoe so i went with this because wow what a great song it's uh, mysterious. It has some kind of like supernatural flair to it because that's exactly what Apollo has. Um, the the part right before it loops, um, where it's just like da 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 da, it's like, listen, you're almost there. And you know what? After you do a few more uh, questionings and pressings and objectionings, you're gonna do it and you're gonna win the game and you're gonna cry because. You know, this is a sad game, and yeah, that's the whole point, is that you have to cry. And that's great, so I love it. And you know what else is sad? That one that you picked, because I haven't played uh, Investigations 2 yet, keyword yet, but listen, even I can tell this is a sad dad theme. <laughs> They're all gotta be sad dad themes, I'm crying, um, it's just sad, everything's crying, that's the whole series. That's it. That's my feelings. It's crying and, and I don't know, writing Edgeworth Phoenix slash fiction. That's fine. You know, it's fine because <laughs> it's very good. Um, see, we have to have the happy dads to balance out the sad dads. Uh, <laughs> um, I agree with you. I think this is... I think this is a very, very, very good uh, cross-examination theme. It's actually one of my favorites in the series. Uh, as listeners, if you... If you know Ace Attorney, uh, almost every Ace Attorney game has a, a like a, a suite of courtroom themes that usually begins courtroom lounge, then court begins, then there's a cross examination moderato, then there's a there's occasionally a logic section, then there's another cross examination, but that's allegro, so it gets a little quicker. Then there's uh, a confess the truth usually, and then you get a pursuit, and those are. Those are pretty much in every single game. Now, every single song is different, but they all have kind of a similar feel. And I think that this one is a particularly good example of what this is supposed to do. And also, I think it's a great example of just how much the music has evolved since the uh, Game Boy Advance games. Because although the Game Boy Advance, uh, you know, the the music got an upgrade when they did the DS uh, remake slash remasters, this is the first game which had all music written specifically for the DS. And the DS, the, the Game Boy Advance didn't have its own sound chip. It did everything on the CPU, whereas the DS itself had a dedicated sound chip. And I think you can really hear the, the quality of the music 
and how much it's improved just alongside the graphics, really. Oh, yeah. And I mean, the thing is, is that the series as a whole has always just had such strong composing that they're all very good. Like, they, for the earlier titles, they definitely worked with their limitations to make really good pieces. But listen, you know I gotta rep my child, the, you know, sunshine of my life, Apollo Justice. I love Apollo. I think he's a great character. He's so good that, you know, everything, it's like, um, I didn't come up with this, but I have uh, seen this whispered on the internet.com where um, other cross-examination themes are like really encouraging you to like get to the end and figure out the truth. But this one kind of sounds like if you figure out the truth, you're really not going to be happy that you did, but you kind of have to. I agree. There's an almost ominous feel to uh, Apollo Justice Ace Attorney that isn't really present in the first three games. And that's not a criticism. It's it's a, it's a really smart shift of tone that they did yeah. to uh, differentiate and introduce this brand new character. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think Apollo Justice is a great character. And I think that his, uh, his story from Apollo Justice, Ace Attorney, all the way to uh, Spirit of Justice is, is really, really well done. Oh, yeah. What are you feeling, Patrick? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, among all of the courtroom suites... If you take the, the like the suite from start to finish, I think for me Apollo Justice is probably one of my least favorite on a personal level. Mm -hmm. But if you were to um, isolate just um, the Allegro portion of cross examination, not the Moderato, but the Allegro, it's funny because I, I the Moderato version doesn't do anything for me. Exactly. So you take just the Allegros um, across the series. Um, I'm especially thinking of like the like one through six i really think i had thought you know coming out of playing and experiencing the original trilogy and knowing the soundtracks the music to the original trilogy very well when i first really digested the soundtrack to, to apollo justice and then played apollo justice um especially in the courtroom i felt musically it was kind of weak but man um this specifically this Allegro track and also its slowed down version, which you pointed out um, rightfully, Nikki, um, for the like eyes thing. Perceive surging eyes. For those who haven't played the game, he has a very much like Psylocke and things like that. He has a ability to uh, perceive very, very small physical movements on witnesses using his bracelet. Yeah. He like notices little nervous ticks and things and then comes to like epic conclusions from them. But it's like he he drags the truth out via the cross examination. Like he might have a hint at what it is, but he needs to get the the witness to say it, which is really neat. But so I think that's one of the things that the music hits that also fits the game. I can't remember which of you said it, but like yeah, this is when you go after the truth specifically in the fourth game in Apollo Justice. You might not like what you're going to find, but you need to find it anyway because mm -hmm. like the the truth is its own good, whether it's a happy thing or not. That's something that's been building in the last few entries that wasn't really in the first one. In the first one, you were always looking for the truth. But in the last few games, especially in the Great Ace Attorney, and I think the turn was with uh, Apollo Justice, the idea that you're still seeking the truth, but it might not be a truth you want to hear. It's a truth that's going to hold a lot of pain for a lot of people, including you, maybe. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And yeah, I think it might start with Apollo Justice. The Allegro theme is very... It's it's driving towards something important, and it's not intense, and there's... It's it's 
it's mostly major key from for youth music theory kids it's it's exciting but it's almost kind of overwhelming and the music tends to overwhelm me to the point where i think i got the most when i think through all the times or all the games i've played in the series i got the most game overs <laughs> in <laughs> apollo justice and i'll admit i'm not great at problem solving okay so. to be fair to you patrick and i do love apollo justice but it does have some of the worst cases of moon logic in the series. That's true too. And I appreciate you giving me that out. Um, but um, I think it also was this, when I would hear this song, I'd, I'd get a little flighty um, because it was like, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, the music, I think there, there, there was a risk. I remember thinking it in my head, like they've made this epic trilogy. Now they're trying something with Apollo Justice. The series could have died then and there. Like I, I truly thought to myself if this doesn't work like this could be it like mm. it wasn't a, an enormous hit at the time right um they were really just sort of striking out and not not in the baseball way but like striking out new territory yeah and musically i think songs like this and a couple of character themes were what really carried the soundtrack for apollo justice and so i'm really glad nikki that you selected the allegro piece from the courtroom suite because i think it is the strongest part of Apollo Justice's courtroom music. It's so good. And also something that it does, and I mean, this is what a, this is what a good cross examination is supposed to do. It might have one of the best builds into the pursuit theme of all of the questioning. The dun 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 da da. Oh, that's that's very true. And it leads right into the pursuit theme, and uh, it 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 really it really drives towards that. It's. It's a really nice climactic moment. Yeah, it's cohesive in that sense. I really, yeah. I think it's it might be more cohesive than maybe anything from the original trilogy. Certainly more than two and three. Mm. Um, the first game is is a very cohesive courtroom suite. Yeah, but yeah, Apollo Justice is very cohesive in that sense. Mm -hmm. Good call. Um, what was what was the other one we were listening to? That beautiful orchestral arrangement of uh, Sad Dad. Of Sad, Sad Dad. Th yep, that's what it's called. It's called Sad Dad. Yep, that's mine. It's called A Defense Attorney's Knowledge, and it is in uh, Ace Attorney Investigations 2. Now, if uh, if there are anyone out there who has not played the Ace Attorney Investigations series, it's a spinoff of Ace Attorney, obviously, starring Miles Edgeworth, the prosecutor. And I know the first game is available on iOS. And it's a bit of a departure for the series because unlike the other ones, this one looks a little bit more like a traditional point-and-click adventure game. Like, you actually see the character and you can move the character around the, uh, the crime scene. Um, but it plays almost identically to the Ace Attorney games. There's no courtroom drama. It's entirely crime scene based. Uh, and it's, it's Miles Edgeworth making uh, deductions. The first one is great. I think the second one is even better. But like we said, it's not available here officially. But uh, many of the same folks who did the translation for The Great Ace Attorney also did a translation, a fan translation of Ace Attorney Investigations 2. And it is a very strong piece of work, I think, from them. This song, I'm not going to ruin anything about the plot of that game, but there is a section of it where you do do a bit of a flashback and you go back to see, uh, you go back and you uh, you uh, play as Gregory Edgeworth, who is Miles Edgeworth's dad. And unlike Miles Edgeworth, Gregory Edgeworth is a defense attorney. When I was picking my songs, my first thought was, well, I'm just going to pick Great Revival because... It's great revival. It's one of the most iconic pieces of music from the series. It's mm -hmm. Miles Edgeworth's theme. 
uh, it's it's big, it's grand. And then I, I was looking around and I was like, you know what, I'm going to give a little bit of a curveball here. I'm going to pick a defense attorney's knowledge because it has a lot of similarities with Great Revival. It has like some of the melody is very, very similar. It, it sounds a little bit like it. Like if you're not paying attention, it does a lot of the same things. But it is, I feel, almost uh, more triumphant. There's, it's more heroic. Um, it, there, it's, it's a heroic theme that fits that of a defense attorney in this game. Um, but at the same time, it's a defense attorney who is much more analytical uh, than Phoenix or Apollo or uh, you know, it's it's very it's very analytical. Like like Miles Edgeworth, they both they both think. Um, so when I first heard it, I was like, oh yeah, this is this is going to be the the song I want to pick. And there are there is the version in game. This isn't this is from the orchestral arrangement, and there's a reason for that, and that's the the little B section in it, because I feel that the first part is a perfect character theme. It really it says everything you need to know about the character. Neither of you have played it, but I mean, if you listen to it, I'm pretty sure you can figure out who Gregory Edgeworth is. The B section, I think, really does reflect the tragedy of Gregory Edgeworth and Miles. Uh, and, like, if you've played the first game, you know what happens to Gregory Edgeworth. But he was always, like, a specter behind Miles. Like, the, the ghost of his father was always behind him. And the, one of the reasons I think this is such a good game is because they they took that specter that was always behind him and they made him into a the fantastic character who you always hoped he would be. And yeah, uh, it's. I think it's a very, very strong... I think it's a strong character theme in a very strong game. And there are, I mean, and like most of the Ace Attorney soundtracks, like there are shades of this character theme within the Ace Attorney Investigations 2 Pursuit theme, um, which you can hear. And that's, yeah, just another little, another little touch to it. But uh, what do you two think about the song? I must say... This is like my whole pedigree speech, and I, I do this <laughs> when I when I run into the n- names like the ones I see here. Um, you know, Iwadare has played a really crucial role in composition for the series. I especially like his his first bits of work for the series. He um, he did the third Phoenix Wright game. I think it was called Trials and Tribulations in America. It was. Um, that soundtrack is fantastic. Um, he nails it. It's actually my, that's my favorite pursuit theme in the entire series. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, his work on, uh, future titles, including uh, the Ace Attorney investigations, like the, yeah, the Edgeworth stuff, um, is also really solid. Iodara is just a huge inspiration, veteran composer, a lot of other, composers a lot of younger composers openly admit to admiring his work and looking up to him so in one sense i'm just happy to see him still active and on the other hand it's uh it's it's a hard piece to listen to musically um not in a bad way it's a great piece of music but it is hard when you listen to something that's sort of tugging at the heartstrings and to that end i would also mention uh natsumi Kameoka is, uh, if anyone listens to video game orchestral music, there's almost no way you haven't heard Kameoka. Um, she and Sachiko Miyano have dominated the landscape. They're like, between the two of them, they're probably somewhere between 60 and 80% of like all <laughs> Japanese orchestrated music of the last decade. That I don't think I'm overselling it. Like, they've done almost everything for uh, Square Enix in the last decade, they've done almost everything for Capcom in the last decade. I think they dipped their toes into some Atlas stuff at one point, some Persona stuff. Like, 
they have just done so much incredible orchestration. Their workhorses, um, I do feel like from time to time they've had to phone it in because of how heavily <laughs> they've been leaned upon uh, in the last decade. But yeah, Natsumi Kawaioka and Sachiko Miyano do really incredible work of pulling a piece of music that might have maybe four or five distinct parts in terms of melody, counter melody, harmony, rhythm, and filling it out for a full orchestra. Um, it's not easy work. And, uh, you know, left left to his own devices, you could imagine Iwadari would have burnt out on um, this particular orchestral <laughs> recording. So I'm glad he had Kamaoka, you know, co-arranging on this. And I think other orchestral albums. There have been a few that I think Iwadari wasn't left solo on, though he, I think he did do the jazz and the first orchestral solo. I'd have to fact check myself on that. But yeah, the two of them together, you know, did do a great job on this particular album and specifically on this track. Um, the soundtrack itself, which that was 3DS, I think. Am I correct? It was the OST was a, for a 3DS title. Sorry, what was it? Uh, Ace, uh, Ace Attorney Investigations Two. That was 3DS, right? No, no, it was two. It was a. It was the, the It DS. was the DS. My bad. I almost said the 2DS. Yes. It's the one that's 2D. It was on the 2DS. <laughs> yeah, that was a thing. No, it was not. It's a regular. It's a regular old DS oh, game. Oh man, it must must have been one of the last ones though. It was. It late. was. It's probably one of the reasons it was never released here. I think I think you're right about that. But yeah, it sounds great in its OST form, but um, the the orchestral arrangement was um, yeah significantly improved to the point where sometimes I kind of wish these orchestral arrangements, like, they just put all the games on Switch or something and let you switch out between, like, the sequenced OST music and, like, a looped or orchestrated version. I'd pay for that. I would put money that there are probably patches online for, like, oh, the... yes, yes. For, like, out. Ace Attorney ROMs and things like that that will do yeah, that. Yeah, I'm sure that exists. I've seen that sort of stuff for other games. That's a good point. I know that there's a lot of uh, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past ones that use orchestral soundtracks. Yeah, they'll pull in, like, the Twilight Princess orchestral album and stuff, yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to thank you for, for picking this song. John and uh, uh, Iodare and Kameoka for doing incredible work because um, these characters really come to life with you know a good piece of music and this song makes me all the more want to get around to playing one of the few games in the series I haven't touched yet even if I have to do it through a fan translation. I don't even know if I should call it a fan translation. I mean these people are professionals. The amount of work that is required to uh, localize an Ace Attorney game is not insubstantial and uh they did a remarkable job and not just in terms of like providing a playable game, but also capturing a lot of the charm that's included within a Capcom official Capcom translated Ace Attorney game, because they're, they're very special. And I feel that they really captured that spirit with both the translations of uh, Ace Attorney Investigations 2 and uh, their version of the great Ace Attorney. Anyway, uh, Nikki, what do you think of the song? Wow. So yeah, in the middle, I start crying because it starts getting really sad and I'm like, oh no, it's happening. And you know what? That's okay. Because in the end, what is a defense attorney's knowledge? It's that you have to believe that your client is innocent if they say so. And what did he do at the end of the first game? He was like, listen, it's gotta be Yogi. It couldn't have been my boy. And that's why I cry every day thinking about Ace Attorney. Oh my gosh. And then it's just like, oh, snap, you hear a little bit, just a little bit of 
you know, Edgeworth's theme because he's the dad. Oh my gosh. And then you just cry more. And then you're like, wow, every day, a new day to be sad. And that's how I feel. That is a very good summation of what a defense attorney's knowledge is. Dang, Nikki. Dang. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there are so many little pieces of this that I agree with you. It's it there. It's it's not just the you know the violin in the middle. It's it's there's the, there's the chimes that are midway through that kind of make everything seem like a memory. Yes, because I mean it is a memory in the because game. Because he's gone. Wow. Every day I suffer more. Yeah, I think that that it's such a tricky balance whenever you uh, do a prequel. This isn't a prequel, but like it's a prequel. The case itself is a prequel. But when you go back and you you explore a character that's been dead for a long time that you only get to see little pieces of, it's tricky and because you've built up your own image of what this character should be. And I think that they really did a good job with Gregory Edgeworth, not just in the song, but in the character. And he the look of him in the game, he's like wearing a fedora and he has like a he has like a trench coat. He kinda he all he looks like a classic uh, he looks like a classic film noir detective, except that he's wearing a pair of glasses, too. And uh, yeah, just a, a really strong interpretation to the point where I kind of wonder what Miles Edgeworth's costume would look like if Gregory Edgeworth uh, raised him. But he gets the glasses in the 3DS games. Don't you see? We're all here. We are all crying and we are all seeing the character development, the build up. This is what we are here for. I'm going to yell. I'm not sure it's so much character development as it is ocular degeneration, but it's yes. It's fine because he's dad now. He became dad. He married Phoenix. They adopted Trucy. Now he is dad. He has to wear the glasses like that. And you know why? This is how we know that this was intentional because in the same game, in the first 3DS game, the um, the one that introduced Athena, thank you, by the way, for doing that. <laughs> that's the same game where Apollo does the whole um, evidence is everything in court and does the same pose as his own mentor. Oh, you see, we got him. Bada bing, bada boom. We are all crying in this room. I would love to have a conversation. This isn't the form for it. Uh, because it's Rhythm Encounter. I'm sorry. No, it's not. No, I'm, I would love to have a conversation talking about uh, characters in this game, which are, if not explicitly queer coded at the very least, it really, like, I think obviously Miles Edgeworth is, I mean, in my mind, Miles Edgeworth is gay. I just, that's, I mean, that's my interpretation of it. Um, I, I think that Apollo also is, if not gay, is, is, is queer. Um, based on his relationship and how he reacted to his, the death of his best friend, Clay Terran in uh, the fifth game. Um, and I think that I wish that obviously there are different cultures and things like that, but I wish that the Ace Attorney games would lean into that a little bit more and make it explicit. So the only, so uh, Jean Armstrong is not the only actual gay representation in the Ace Attorney games. Yeah. Well, like you said, this isn't necessarily the place for it, but there have been, there have been, you know, interviews done where it's made pretty clear that they are at least trying as much as they can mm. with with Phoenix and Edgeworth and there's a lot of backstory behind that and maybe someday we'll talk about that but anyways um they're married they adopted Trucy and now uh Edgeworth wears glasses like his dad and I cried that's it that's the story and that's canon you're right hey man all right. Well, with that, uh, with that happy ending, we're going to move on now to the third block of songs, which I call the Spirit of Justice, because both of the songs are from Spirit of Justice. And uh, 
this block, it's Nikki and Patrick's picks. So uh, let's take a look at the songs. So the first one is going to be Nikki's, and it is Uendo Tornado. Can you give me that again? Because that was just Uendo golden. Tornado, Whirlwind of Laughter. Yes, or the uh, or the the Lapping Typhoon. Right. Um, it's composed by Masami Onidera, and uh, the second song that we are doing is very well known if you've played uh, the first Ace Attorney game, uh, specifically the the new case, Rise from the Ashes. It is Emma Sky's theme, Forensic Scientist 2016. It is composed by Iwadare and also uh, Horiyama, and it is arranged by Iwadare as well. And this is from the Ace Attorney 15th Anniversary Symphonic uh, Orchestra Concert. Uh, it's not its own song. It's, it's inside one of the, uh, one of the tracks, but yeah. So both of these tunes are from spirit of justice and we're going to give a listen to them and then we'll be right back to give you some thoughts.
wow, am I the only person who likes Spirit of Justice? Maybe not. Am I the only person that Spirit of Justice is my favorite game in the series? Probably. Am I the only person who likes turnabout storytellers? Very probably. Am I the only person who loves the character Uendo Tonedo? Absolutely not. Everyone should love them. So, wow, this song is so good. It's actually very appropriately Japanese. It is not appropriated. It's actually thematic. It's great. It fits the characters' animations so well, especially when they start flapping the fan with a little confetti. Oh my gosh, it fit. it's like this music was made for that animation. I cry, you cry, we all cry. Also, according to the internet.com, apparently, there's no more than four instruments playing at a time in this piece, which, if it is true, I don't know, I don't know how to count, but if it is true, that's pretty cool if you know anything about this character. Very clever. Which if you do, that means you love them. If you don't, that means you need to play Spirit of Justice. Don't listen to the people who say it's bad. Listen to me, because I say it's great. Yeah, and then what do we have? We have Emma Sky. You know who she is? Scientist. We all love her. She's great. She's in Spirit of Justice. Hell yeah. And this one, this version of the theme that we picked is from Spirit of Justice and it's so much more lively than I remember any of her other themes being. Why? Because she can finally eat her snackoos. Perfect. Everyone's happy. It's a happy game. Trust me. There's no sadness anyways. Love it. Well, there's sadness, but there's also happy tears. Exactly. Yeah, but let the happy tears erase your sad tears. <laughs> I agree with you about this tune. It is, I think it's a very smart piece of music. I have to admit, it is outside of my uh, musical experience in terms of uh, how it's composed. Um, possibly because I am a music theater nerd, and that's pretty much where my music uh, theory and knowledge begins and ends. Uh, however, I think this was... This case specifically must have been really, really fun for the localization team to tackle. Because as we were joking, eat your hamburgers, Apollo, this is very much a case that could only take place in Japanifornia. In Japan, I feel like uh, Rakugo has no real equivalent that could ever really like... Like, I think about other games um like um rhythm heaven on the wii specifically had like the manzai birds in japanese but they just did not even bother to put it in the english version they could not come up with any way to like localize manzai i don't know how they were gonna localize rakugo they is it like soulman noodles that they use they couldn't even like keep ramen for uh maya i mean this whole thing was just an exercise in a very, very Japanese style of comedy. And this music is so good for that. It's just, it's a lovely, it, I just love listening to it. Mm -hmm. In general, it like, if there's a time where I want to work and I want to put music on, I'll put this. This is just a great piece. But it, it fits so well, and it's for this character who is so integral in so many ways to the case. Um, I was really debating between like this and the Mood Matrix music, because 
the mood matrix is how I always feel with all the emotions going off. I'm like, oh boy, time to cry and also scream. But, like, I had to go with this one because, like, it's so distinct. It's so unique. And it fits a very unique character in a very unique case very, very well. See, I think that's one of the reasons why this case specifically is so polarizing is because uh, it doesn't really fit with the rest of the game. It is very much a standalone case in the in the style of like the earlier Ace Attorney games where you would have cases and there would be like a few little threads, but for the most part, they were standalone stories. And the Spirit of Justice, for the most part, is a over one one case goes into the next case goes into the next case telling an overarching story and then you just have this nice little break where you just kind of you're playing a case just like you would in the original games it feels very similar to that and i actually very much enjoyed that and i agree with you i think the character the characters are uh fascinating in this game now i don't we don't have to worry about spoilers here because if you're listening to this uh if you if you don't will you know you can skip ahead about 30 seconds uh but the character has a disassociative identity disorder, which, to put it, it, it multiple personalities, essentially, alters. Um, and from what I have read, now I know almost nothing about this condition, but it sounds like they handled it in a very respectful and in a somewhat authentic way uh, in the game, which is wonderful from a game that, well, had Gene Armstrong, for example. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Nick? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I intentionally called you Nick That's because, right. you know. That's right, it's me. <laughs> Phoenix small version. Um, yeah, I also don't know much about it, but, like, from a real-world perspective, but it makes sense because this is the case where Athena takes over, and because she is a, a psychologist, it makes sense that they would take that extra effort to make sure that it was handled well and it's great you know um i think the reason you like this is because it's technically a prototype for her own game yes i mean there's everything about it okay everyone's gonna hate me for this uh nayuta is one of my favorite prosecutors in the series i i actually love him he's up there with black quill for me um and what did I say? I want to see these two talk to each other. What happened in this case? They talk to each other. What else happens in this case? Black Quill grabs you by the collar and shakes you. There is, that's great. Why? Don't ask me why. I don't have really an answer for that. But yeah, also Athena actually is doing something, which she should be doing because she's Athena. Hello. Give her her own game. You know, um, and it's fun. I like seeing these kinds of very unique things. Like, Japanese humor is so distinct. There's nothing else like it in any other culture. And it's so cool to see them actually be like, here is a case that is based off of that. Here is a character that does it well. Uendo has a dissociative identity disorder. So all of those personalities have their own names. And one of them is even a woman and they gender them all correctly they don't just call them he for all of them right like um they all have their own genders they are all respected as their own characters 
and it's it's just amazing. They do a remarkable job of the sprites too. The way the sprites like go into each other, the different altars. Oh my god, it's so good. Oh my gosh, the animations are so smooth it's and really it's just clean. perfect. Oh my gosh. And the little one, like I said, I already said this, but the way he flaps the fan with the confetti in the air, oh my god, is so good. It's the best. The transitions between the personalities, everything. Oh my gosh. And this this song really captures that. Yeah. It's just so good. And every day I cry. And that's it. That's how it goes. What do you think, Patrick? I'm just honored and thankful to be here because I think sometimes I get so analytical about music, I forget about, here's a fun pun, the spirit of the music <laughs> and the spirit of justice itself. Um, the, the theme for... Uh, Oendo is like already a great piece of music just objectively it is but when you remember the context and as you would experience it in the game and learning about who this character is and who the characters are within this character yeah and I didn't know prior to you bringing this up Nikki the bit about the original composition being done on four instruments um, I took a look back over that myself and yeah I, I do believe that is the case there's only four instruments ever playing right at yeah. any given time no more than four instruments playing so it's like oh Oendo could actually in some ways create that music at least in their mind at any given time um, and it's it's attention to detail like that that makes this whole game and series so great I will say about my choice for Emma Sky first of all in that 15th anniversary orchestra album obviously you have so much territory to cover such a good album it's it's great um frustratingly they they did these big medleys and suites and they didn't differentiate uh in the track list what's what someone on youtube took the album and split those those suites which are basically done by game um i think some of them are done by like musical theme across a series but at least some of them are done just by the game. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I loved Emma Sky's theme. I mentioned earlier, uh, for those who remember back from the beginning of the episode, that the first soundtrack I ever owned was the Yomigayo Gakyuten, or what is it, Rising from the Ashes? Rise from the Ashes, yeah. The Rise from the Ashes bit. Which is essentially a prototype for Apollo Justice and every game that came after that. That's correct. Um, yeah, so it was the soundtrack that I bought was the 27 OST tracks from the first game plus seven new tracks from the DS game. Um, and of course, that DS mission uh, introduced a character named Emma Skye, um, who's a scientist. And there was a there was a functional component for that, which was, oh, we're going to use the DS to let you do some hands-on stuff. I remember you had to like blow away dust using the microphone and everything. Mm -hmm. And there was all sorts of like nifty little, let's use the gadgetry of the DS itself to do some science-y stuff. And that was sort of the purpose for Emma Sky's existence as a character, but um, for me, she was just uh, such a lovable character beyond that, that when they brought her back, I was like over the moon. Um, she's one of my favorite characters in the whole series, and so having her her own sort of redo of the theme song uh, for Dual Destinies, or not Dual Destinies, for Spirit of Justice, really made me happy, and then having it on the 15th anniversary orchestra album, which is sort of at this point, the biggest and most definitive of all the orchestral work they've done. I isolated that from the suite that it was in because it's just, it's, it's just such a, 
it's almost like it's almost like if you took specifically the B side from Gumshoe, it's you know just that whole uplifting melody kind of stuff. That's that's what I live for. Um, I mean, yeah, the more like intense driving stuff in an Ace Attorney game, yeah, that music's great too. But what's life giving to me, at least at this point in my life, is almost certainly when you find something to smile about. And Emma Sky is all that. Even when you're looking at very dark or difficult details, she keeps, you know, she keeps it on the up and up. So, thank you, Emma Sky, and thank you um, to Iwadare and everyone who works on these games and makes, you know, these beautiful character themes. Because I think, I think both of you said, you know, there is this incredible mixture of dark and light um, throughout the series, and both the the darkest moments and the happiest moments are treated with such care. You can take them seriously, no matter how absurd the, you know, the scenario may be. Mm. Yeah, and Emma Sky is just a piece of that for me, but she's a very big piece. I think Emma Sky is a phenomenal character uh, in every game she has appeared in. Rise from the Ashes might—I mean, I know it's its own, the last case of uh, the first uh, Ace Attorney game, but in my mind, it almost stands alone as its own game. And I, obviously, it was being developed, if not alongside, at least with. Apollo Justice in mind, so they knew where that character was eventually going to go, mm-hmm. and I think they crafted a character that uh, they couldn't bring Maya back because they knew what they knew where she was going to be going in Justice for All, so they couldn't bring her back for a single case uh, in the timeline. So they needed to create somebody who would fill the role, but they didn't just create someone who would fill the role; they created someone who has certain similarities of character, but uh, has their own point of view and has their own personality and has their own go get 'em attitude that really really worked as phoenix's co-counsel in that game and then when they introduced her in apollo justice as this like burnt out life has beaten them down they can't achieve their dream uh detective who has taken over gumshoe's job like i thought that was just a really 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 wonderful turn uh where you wouldn't have expected that optimistic uh like teenage character to go and then of course in the next two games as she gets the job of her dreams and then starts getting the professional respect as a scientist and an investigative scientist that she always wanted. It's a, it's a really nice character journey. I've, I, I'm a big fan of the character. I think it's really cool. And I think this version, I mean, originally this was uh, a variation of Turnabout Sisters Correct. Uh, in Rise from the Ashes. And then they took that theme, which was a variation of the sisters theme, and they turned it into the detective theme that you know that's another reason why i wanted to put this one last is because it kind of it it functions in the same role as gumshoes did in the first one which is the first person that you usually see on the scene when you arrive at a crime scene it's emma yeah and it, it does a lot of the same things as the first song but does it in a very different way yeah she provides a lot i mean what you pointed out about her character arc um throughout the series it really you know it's almost like you know, she evolves and gets different roles, and it's almost like, well, so does the game, and, and that's why you keep switching up who's the protagonist. Like, if this series was going to grow, if it was going to work beyond the original trilogy, they had work to do, and it's almost like Emma Sky had to go through that work with them. Yeah, that's a good point. And this particular arrangement of the song, I mean, it has a bit more of a, a bit more of a, how do I put this, a bit more of a science like, technology kind of feel than the other ones, which makes sense, because obviously they have considerably better uh audio tech now than they did back in uh back in the days of uh the ds but also because she's an adult now absolutely what do you think nick i know you mentioned a few (laughs) i really wish i came up with the nick thing earlier in the episode because i really like it 
Um, what do you think? Yeah, it's so much livelier. Like I was um, kind of just going through kind of snippets of the original uh, games just to kind of give myself a refresher. And then when I uh, went in to listen to the, this uh, 2016 one that we have been provided with, it's just so much livelier than I remember her theme originally being. And I'm like, oh, it's because she's happy now. Get it? Wow. Thank goodness somebody's happy because I'm crying. But, you know, it it is very, like, her character arc's very good. Um, yeah, the parallels with... it's It is nice. She has the parallels with Gumshoe, but also with um, Maya and Mia. Mm-hmm. And it's very great to see that yeah her theme came into its own just like she grew into her own very distinct character she's always been distinct but like we've said you know we really got to see her grow up and i think it's especially noticeable with her because like um we see like we talked about edgeworth gets the glasses oh my gosh you know uh, Phoenix becomes uh, a hobo for a few uh, months or whatever. Uh, but when you're an adult already, like the the changes between the games aren't as drastic because you're already an adult. And I feel like that kind of uh, goes through with their themes. But since Emma was younger than Maya, if I remember correctly, in that case, she was only like 16 and Maya's like 17 and Maya doesn't show up until Spirit of Justice like she takes like those few games in between off we actually really do see her grow and I wonder if they're gonna do something like that for Trucy in the future because she's like the only other and um Pearl I'd like to see Pearl develop into a larger character uh again because I always she was such an adorable uh, adorable bundle of innocence to pair next. I mean, obviously you could, you could say quite a bit about the morality of trucking a child along with you to crime scenes, uh, and in the courtroom. But, uh, yeah, I, I would really like to see where that goes. Yeah. We, we know it's possible because of Emma. Science makes anything possible. Thank you, Emma. That is what we have come to understand. Also, as, as someone who is in their thirties, uh, I have to admit Emma Sky in Apollo Justice is the most relatable character, I think, in the entire series right now, where she's just like done with this job and she's yeah. just like, I just want oh, a yeah. snack. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that almost every day. Yeah, you feel it in your you feel it in your bones. You just want to throw your snack food at people who bug you. And then the handsome guitarist man takes it from you. Like, no, I was gonna throw it at you. Ugh. No, they should. A, a good prosecutor should be simorous, should be furrowed, furred of brow, not glimmerous. Goodness gracious! Every day, every day. Well, that is uh, that is going to be our last song for the episode. Uh, objection. We're not quite done yet. There's no need for an oh, objection, okay. but we will end with an objection. Normally, we I let one of the guests. Well, I don't. Mike or Hillary lets one of the guests pick the uh, bonus song. But because the Great Ace Attorney is being released, I thought we would pick. The Great Ace Attorney Suite from the 2019 Ace Attorney uh, Orchestra concert. So I just wanted to give uh, give the audience a taste of what the Great Ace Attorney offers in terms of music, aside from the Sherlock Holmes thing. And uh, we're not gonna. We're obviously you're gonna listen to it after we're done talking. But just out of curiosity, what do you, what, Patrick? What do you think about this uh, this particular suite of music? I think it really stands out as 
not just appropriate for trying to do like a time period piece in terms of like what the game is um, being, you know, from an older time, but I think the music just sort of stands on its own as both a recognition of what the Ace Attorney series has always been about and appropriate starting over. I love that idea of being able to move forward while going back, which is what happens when you release a new game that takes place 200 years ago or whatever. Yeah, it uses chamber music, I believe. Right. Uh, that's the feel they were going for. Yeah, it it fits really well. It makes a ton of sense to do everything they did with the music. And at the same time, even though it's a very different feel than sort of the more upbeat and synthesized Ace Attorney music that we know and love, still feels very much in the realm of the series. So I, I like what they're doing. I do too. Nikki, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Like, um, it gives those kind of period appropriate vibes, uh, like Leighton versus right with good reason. It really reminds me of that as well. Uh, and it gives me a give me the game right now or else vibes because I need it. So yeah. Well, uh, you certainly have that option because it is coming out tomorrow. And well, I guess not tomorrow anymore for people who are listening to this. You may have been played the game already and you may know the music very well. So you're going to be hearing this. And uh, I just want to tell you, now that Rhythm is back, we're back for a few episodes now, and I just want to tease a few episodes that are coming up for us. Uh, we have two episodes coming up focusing on other series that are known for their amazing music, uh, one for the Near series and the other for Final Fantasy XIV. Now, every single time I say Final Fantasy XIV, I expect Caitlin to like pop up like a genie and tell us about its free trial. But if you want to hear uh, Caitlin's thoughts about uh, Final Fantasy XIV, you need to check out one of her outstanding patch reviews. She has a couple of them on the site. Uh, she releases them as the game is patched and they are always very comprehensive and uh, unwaveringly, uh, it's an unwavering intelligent point of view about this incredible game, which I will never play because I'm stubborn. Now, if you can't get enough of my voice and you want to check out many of the other voices uh, you've heard on this podcast, or you uh, just really like talking about current games, you might want to check out uh, RPG fans, other podcasts. We have the uh, bi-weekly Random Encounter. I co-host that with Greg Delmage. And that's, like I said, where we speak with other RPG fan staff members about what they're currently playing. Uh, we have Retro Encounter, hosted by the tireless Mike Solosi, where uh, RPG fan staff will take a deep dive into the RPGs and adventure game of yesteryear. And uh, I think the cutoff is two years. And then we have our sister podcast, Phoenix Edge, that's hosted by Hat and Eric. And they talk about all the news that's coming out uh, in the RPG community. And there has been a lot of it this summer. I just want to say if you have any feedback about this episode or you have any thoughts for any other Rhythm Encounter episodes, you can feel free to drop us a line at music at rpgfan.com. Do us a favor, rate us on your podcast player of choice. We would uh, we would really appreciate that because boy, oh boy, it really helps. And uh, yeah, if you want to talk to me directly, uh, you can find me on Twitter at John O'Logan. And uh, Nikki, tell us, where we, where can we find you? I'm at the twitter.com at otomenikki. That's O-T-O-M-E underscore N-I-K-I. It's only 1K. If it were two, that would be a diary. No, 1K, like Nick. And Patrick, where can we find you? Objection! You can find me on Twitter as at Gameadactyl. Hold it! You can also find my writings on RPG Fan. Take that! Don't try to find me on any other social media, because I generally don't exist anywhere else. I don't even exist in real life. 
just RPG fan and Twitter. Well, from all of us here at uh, Rhythm Encounter, we want to thank you for listening, and I hope you will enjoy our bonus track of this episode, the great Ace Attorney Suite from the 2019 Ace Attorney Orchestra Concert. Thank you very much and enjoy. Objection.
Does anyone want to make a bard yarn animal, animal sound? My guinea pig says squee, 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 squee. I'm so sorry. <laughs>